Hi, my name is Arna Roberts and I'm going to be talking to you about an introduction to Leviticus. I suspect when uh, people think about the book of Leviticus, this is what comes to mind. And it can be quite off-putting. Um, this is a challenging book for many people, both Christians and Jews. Uh, and in some cases, it has deterred people from reading the Bible. But here are some good reasons why you should read Leviticus. Leviticus contains the most quoted verse in the New Testament. It presents more direct speech from God than any other book in, in our scriptures. It lies at the very center of God's purpose with his people. And it invites us to be holy like God. Now, in the, um, in the Old Testament, Leviticus is found in what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. But in the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, Leviticus has a completely different name. It's known by the name Vayikra, uh, and that comes from the opening verse. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying. Uh, and the word Vayikra is this idea of continued calling. Now, that might raise a, a, a whole set of questions. Why is the Lord talking or calling to Moses outside of the tabernacle? What are they talking about? What is this tabernacle? And who is this congregation? It's as if we have started in the middle of a book and we're not quite sure what all the characters and the plot is. Or maybe you've started season three of a series and you're trying to figure out everything. Well, in order to answer these questions, we really need to go back to the previous book, the book of Exodus. Exodus describes for us um, the rescue, the, the liberation and redemption of God's people, Israel. It, it plots their rescue from slavery in Egypt. Now again, that raises a set of new questions for us. How did we get here? Um, who are the children of Israel? When did they go into Egypt? And why are they slaves? Well, for that, we need to go further back to the very first book of the Bible. Uh, and that's the book of Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's about origins. It's about the families of the earth. Uh, and in that, we discover that God chose uh, a specific person and from him uh, and his descendants, the people. Uh, and I believe the Bible is a unified story. Um, uh, and it makes more sense if we read it in order um, and we look at the context uh, of what we're reading for continuity. It might be helpful to think of Leviticus as a holiness code. Um, Leviticus talks a lot about holiness. Um, there are many laws, some dealing with moral behaviour um, and things that God did not want his people to do. Other laws covered uh, different facets of life, um, such as medical or dietary, with various prohibitions um, that were under God's law. Uh, in our Western world, we tend to see these things as, as unconnected um, um, and, um, uh, and different. But in the law, they're all combined into one. Modern psychologists um, have started to see that, in fact, these different aspects may well be interlinked. 
uh, and in the law of Moses. God brings them all together. So we have these ideas of holy uh, and unholy. Uh, and unholy could be further divided into clean, that which is ordinary, uh, and unclean, that which is polluted. <clears throat> this raises, when we look at the details of Leviticus, uh, a whole um, set of challenging questions. And I, I want to just think of, of three of those that people have asked when they've tried to understand Leviticus uh, or started to read it. Question one is, how come we've got so much detail and repetition? Isn't it just a little bit tedious? Um, what, why do we have to, to read this stuff? <clears throat> well, as we've already mentioned, Leviticus is a holiness code. Um, if you've ever come across, uh, I don't know, a highway code uh, or a legal manual, you will know how detailed those things can be. <clears throat> they have clauses uh, and subclauses, uh, and every eventuality is covered. <clears throat> well, God's law is a little bit like that. God wanted to make sure that every aspect of life um, and, uh, and every scenario was catered for. Uh, and this is not a day when people had their pens and paper and notepad and, and wrote down. We are living and we're reading um, about an oral tradition. And so it needed to be repetitive so that they could remember what it was that God was telling them. <coughs> Some people say or ask though, but why all the rules? Isn't it very rigid, legalistic? Um, surely this people who've been rescued uh, out of slavery need something a little bit more flexible. Well, in actual fact, quite the opposite is true. People who've come out of an abusive, chaotic, traumatic situation often need parameters and boundaries um, and a, a, a more fixed schedule to help them. Just consider someone who maybe has been um, admitted to re rehab when you go to rehab and you check in, they don't say, oh, please yourself, um, make yourself at home, whatever, whatever you feel like goes. When you go to a rehab facility and they check you in, they tell you, this is the time we have the meals. This is the time when we turn the lights out. Uh, we're going to have group therapy at this time. Uh, this is a time for personal reflection and writing in your journal. Everything is mapped out um, and everybody follows the same pattern. Or... Imagine if you joined the army. Uh, again, the army doesn't say, well, wear what you want, um, just let's see how things go. They provide you with a uniform. Everybody wears the same thing. They teach you how to clean your, shirt, your boots, your shoes, um, uh, and make your bed. And you might say, well, I've been making my bed since I was a small child. But in the army, there's a particular way of doing it. Well, so it is with God's law. Um, and Israel was, in a sense, an army for God. And so, again, God is prescribing these things so that everybody knows where they stand. But some have been um, challenged, put off, perhaps, with all the blood, with all the killing of, of so many animals. How can that be right? Well, of course, we don't kill animals today, do we? So society has changed and moved on. And, um, spoiler alert, we know, don't we, that uh, the, the Leviticus law was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we, um, those of you who are Bible readers already will know where this is headed. Um, Jesus came to um, fulfill the law. He was a, a one-time, um, for all people, sacrifice. But actually, statistics show that industrial farming in the United States kills more animals every year than ever were slaughtered under the law. So, um, 
I think it's around 36 million cattle um, are killed every year to make our hamburgers and beef burgers and cheeseburgers. Um, there's a, a chicken uh, takeaway restaurant that kills around 800 million chickens every year. So these numbers are pretty huge. Uh, and when you, you sort of compare the two, actually, we eat a lot of meat today. However, as we have already mentioned, the law is combining both religious activity um, and the, the sense of, of, of sharing a meal and fellowship together into one. Whereas perhaps for you, going to church uh, and going to uh, a restaurant are two different things. One of the most helpful things that I find about Leviticus um, and one of the things that helps me in my faith is the fact that it was ahead of its time. Um, and what I mean by that is the things that God prescribed in Leviticus um, are really only just now being realized and discovered to be beneficial. So take, for example, the isolation of infection. Um, the first quarantine hospital um, was set up in 1423 for the isolation of infectious patients. Yet God um, uh, 